0: Hi folks, Jason Crane here, reminding you about the 100 by 300 campaign. The idea is to get 100 members by the 300th show. Membership is easy. You can do it in one lump sum each year or month to month for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year. If you choose one of the higher levels, particularly the $500 a year or $50 a month level, you'll be mentioned on every single show you'll be an official sponsor of the jazz session the 100 by 300 campaign visit the jazz join to become a member today once again that's the jazz join
1: Basic hip.
0: Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of this show is available for free anytime you want it at TheJazzSession.com, and you'll also find the most recent episodes in iTunes. You can also subscribe using an RSS reader, and the links to do any of those things are all at TheJazzSession.com. You can also become a member at thejazzsession.com for as little as ten bucks a month, or a hundred and ten dollars a year. And then there's also a, a twenty-five, two-fifty, and a fifty or five hundred uh, monthly, yearly membership levels. At the top two levels, fifty bucks a month or five hundred dollars a year, you receive a mention on every single show as an official sponsor. So if you're interested in uh, getting your name out there, at the highest level of sponsorship, that would be great. I'd like to thank some people who joined since the last time I uh, mentioned names on the show. One is Sonia Logalbo, who uh, I actually went to high school with, and she became a member, which is very cool. Also thanks to David Galea, or maybe Galea, and David, uh, maybe you should write in and tell me how to pronounce your name, Uh, and uh, Anthony McGee. All three became uh, members recently. I think we're up to uh, 19 or 20 now on the way to 100 by the 300th show, and this is show number 236, I think. Also, a cool thing happened uh, this past weekend, if you're listening to this in real time on uh, Monday, January 31st or thereabouts. uh, This past weekend, the show passed 900,000 downloads, which is very, very exciting. So you know, some number of months from now, we'll hit a million downloads on the jazz session, which is incredible. I'm I'm really, really excited about that. And uh, thank you all very much for listening to the show and and telling your friends, and uh, especially to those of you who have uh, given your financial support in fact, for people who join, the first uh, members-only uh, audio is going to go up this week. Um, I've got an interview that I recorded—one uh, of my favorite interviews that I ever did—before I was on, the, before I did the jazz session um, back in my radio days, and that's going to get posted on a new uh, members-only section. And you can get the the password to that if you become a member. I'll email you the password. So uh, if you're a member now, expect to get the password uh, in the next couple of days, and uh, expect some new members-only content to go up. My first professional radio job, I was on radio during my brief time in college, but my first professional job was at a station in Tucson, two stations actually, called KUAZ and KUAT. One was jazz and one was classical, uh, both NPR affiliates. And while I was there in the mid-90s, an album came out by Ray Anderson called Don't Mow Your Lawn, which I just totally fell in love with. And in fact, it had a tune of that name uh, that had vocals on it that were hilarious. And so I've been a fan of Ray's uh, ever since now. I guess that makes it 16 or 17 years now. He's recently put out a record with uh, Marty Ehrlich, and they go back a long ways, too, much longer than my uh, association listening to Ray Anderson. They put out a new record called "Hear You Say, live in Willisaw. As we'll hear in this interview, it's not the only thing that Ray Anderson's going to be putting out on record this year. In fact, there's a little bit of breaking news on this show regarding uh, an upcoming Ray Anderson project. But in any case, from this album hear you say with the ray anderson marty ehrlich quartet let's hear the opening track which is 13 minutes long so we're just going to hear a bit of it called portrait of leroy jenkins (laughs) My guest is trombonist and composer Ray Anderson. He and Marty Ehrlich have a new uh, be- uh, quartet record out, which I'll try to actually say properly, called Hear You Say, recorded live in Willisaw. And uh, it's my pleasure to have Ray on the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Hi, Jason. I'm very happy to be here. Hmm.
0: Now, I know that you and uh, you and Marty go way back. Did you guys first meet back in the Braxton days, or was it even before that?
1: Yeah Indeed I guess That would be 1978 Or Nine Something Like that Um We met And yeah And with Braxton We were on Um The Big band That Braxton Had Uh That recorded Over in Um Recorded over in Europe It's That's the Creative Music Orchestra 78 Or something Right it was an earlier creative music orchestra that we're not on. This is sort of the second one. Now, of course, my memory's a little foggy on all of this stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's going back quite a while. You know, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, in other words, I know Marty for a really long time, and that's part, partly what makes our connection so easy and fluid and, and, um, wonderful.
0: And so, in a way, this band is a long time coming because although you guys have known each other for a long time and certainly worked together back in the early days, this this kind of marks a, a return after really having two distinct careers. Is that right?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. I mean, we never did this before, so it's uh, it's really um, it's really fun. Yeah, I played on a couple Marty records, but I don't think he. Played on any of mine that I can remember. He wasn't in the big band actually, and um, I haven't done m- many groups with um, saxophone in them actually. So, um, so yeah. So I haven't used Marty until uh, until now. But I did. But yeah, I guessed it on a couple of his a couple of his records over the over the years.
0: So when the two of you uh, decided to, to put this band together, did you talk about uh, what it might be in terms of instrumentation, or or in terms of uh, who would provide the compositions? Uh, did it just seem like a good idea to finally work together? Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the genesis of this project?
1: Um, yeah, we just... Um, you know, we're just talking one day... You know, what? We, well, you know what? I think it really came out of hanging out, because um, Marty and I are both teaching at this point And one of the things about teaching is that uh, you really have to create a balance where you stop teaching, you know, (laughs) and go play, you know. So um, we got into getting together at uh, his house or mine or somewhere in New York City on the weekends and just playing a bunch of duo, you know, um, kind of as a way of... Getting reoriented to actual music, you know. <laughs> so, this teaching is teaching is wonderful, but you know, it's a it's not playing. And um, at a certain point, you really need to go play. So we were doing a bunch of this just to do it, you know. And um, out of that, it came. You know, you said, you know, we ought to just make a quartet. You know, like we didn't really feel like we needed a a portal instrument, a piano or a guitar, although that would work, but, you know, we didn't feel like we needed it. And also, once we got the idea of actually doing something, then it's easier to book a quartet, of course, because it's cheaper. Right. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, the
0: practicalities have a way of making themselves felt.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, salary is a factor. So, um, uh, yeah, so somewhere in there we got that idea. We've both been reading our things and we thought, well, why don't we see if we can, you know, get some activity out of this. <laughs>
0: Mention the other two musicians who are uh, in this band with you?
1: Oh, yeah, that's Brad Jones, who plays bass, who's just such a wonderful force on the bass, and Matt Wilson is the drummer, and uh, absolutely ditto for Matt. Just magical. Those, those, man, those two guys together is absolutely wonderful. That's such a wonderful thing.
0: Yeah, that's that's so true on this record, especially without a without a chordal instrument, where um, you know Brad and Matt are playing maybe a larger role uh, than they might in a in a group that had a piano or guitar, guitar in it, where they're really helping to define uh, both harmony and the rhythmic pulse uh, throughout, and they do just such an amazing job in this band.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and of course coming out of uh, you know Braxton and the earlier stuff, we come out that that all, also feels very natural to us, you know. Like, coming from that um, whole time period and, you know, influenced by, you know, the Art Ensemble of Chicago and the black artist group. You know, Marty's from St. Louis, so he grew up in that. I kind of grew up around the AACM a little bit. So, um, you know, we hear that way. You know what I mean? (laughs) We hear that way. We hear very much, like, we're very comfortable with that, kind of sound,
0: you know. And I'll just mention uh, to the listeners that both Marty and uh, Matt have been on the show before, so folks can check out the archives and hear uh, interviews with both of them. You mentioned uh growing up around the AACM sound. Can you talk a little bit about how you got introduced to that? I mean, certainly it's it's not the kind of thing most people hear when they're coming up, you know, playing in their School's jazz band, or uh, or whatever it might be. So, how did you uh, come to get introduced to the more adventurous yeah, side?
1: That's true. I mean, I I was very lucky to grow up in Chicago. You know, I, I'm um, I was born in '52, and I grew up in Chicago in Hyde Park, which is the community on the south side where the University of Chicago is. Uh, that maintains a certain um, integration and stuff because of the power of the U of C. So. Um, that was a great place to grow up musically. It's like you sort of automatically exposed to so many different things. You know, um, like uh, Chicago blues is unavoidable. You know, and um, in my case, I was lucky. I went to the University of Chicago Lab School, and I had some very inspired teachers there. Uh, notably, um, this guy Frank Tiro, um, and, uh, another guy named Dean Hay, who was hired, uh, to run the jazz part of the high school stuff right at about the time I was able to play a little bit. So, I, and Dean was actually, was a trombonist by, you know, profession, by instrument profession. So, he was a wonderful influence for me. I took private lessons with him, and also played in the, you know, the jazz band and various things. And this was a very aware guy, so he was he, he was very much aware of musical happenings, you know, a la John Cage and you know, folks like that. But he also. Introduced me to Archie Shepp with Roswell Rudd, and you know he was very much aware of that, and the whole AACM thing, which was, which was going on at just at that time, um, you know, in the communities. <laughs> I remember going to hear some of these early concerts of, like, Joseph Jarman and Roscoe Mitchell duo or something, or going out to the South Side to hear the the big band, and just being absolutely overwhelmed by that music. I couldn't make head nor tail of it. I didn't know what they were doing, and but it was obvious that they, they knew what they were doing. You know what I mean? So that's... So, so much fun it's like you go you you know your jaw just drops it's like wait a minute it's not random because all of a sudden they jump into this thing you know but before that I can't discern a form or I have no idea you know because my whole thing at that point was play a tune you know what I mean sure (laughs) have chord changes you know (laughs) so uh so that was a that was a wonderful experience. I wrote about that in the um, you know there's this sweet Chicago Suite for the Pocket Brass Band, which is something else we should talk about. I'm hoping to finally get that out this year. It seems like we'll finally get that released.
0: Oh, fantastic!
1: Yeah, yeah, that's another on, a, a ongoing project, the Pocket Brass Band. But I got commissioned from Chamber Music of America uh, to write. Uh, A piece for that band and I wrote this suite about Chicago the Sweet Chicago Suite uh, which we have finally got a good recording of and so I'm hoping to release that later this year and one of the pieces in the suite is called Magnificent Mystifio which is exactly about that experience of of going to hear the AACM and just being overwhelmed you know just being completely out of my uh out of my element, you know, and absolutely loving it, you know. It's like, wow. See, you know, it's like you have that experience that just opens your horizons, you know. Oh, music could be like this also. Oh, you know. <laughs> Lucky to grow up there, you know.
0: Interesting part because I think um, I know you, you came up listening for example to the Dixieland music that your folks enjoyed and then you know just the playing a tune thing as you talked about but then when you heard these people your reaction was not to run away but was to embrace it to dive further in do you have any idea why that was the case how you were prepared to, to do that
1: um, that's a good question uh, I don't know what um Produces an open mind like that exactly It seems to me That at, at least on some level I've always had that But I don't know how I got it You know I mean I can clearly remember hearing Things that were over my head And not liking them And then later on Being able to hear the value of that like not being able to you know like um in the late sixties i couldn't understand what coltrane was doing it was too intense for me you know like i remember listening to those but at the same time that i couldn't understand it and didn't really enjoy it or anything i was also really intrigued by it because the the amount of energy coming off that music made it clear to me that something very important was going on, even though I couldn't really relate to it, so to speak, you know? So um I don't know how I got that frame of mind. I suppose things like that are are partly just a quality of being fascinated by sound You know, I've always been fascinated by sound I suppose that's why I am a musician So if you have that kind of fascination Your mind is automatically uh, A little bit open to new combinations of sounds, you know And then it might also have been the um, Extremely um, amateurish or, or, you know, unsophisticated But very eclectic bunch of music That was in my parents' house, you know like my dad liked this trad jazz stuff and I really played the trombone because of Vic Dickinson and Trummy Young and a few of those cats. But but he was no aficionado or expert and and the, the house was full of you know, there was Peter Paul and Mary and there were Mozart horn concertos and there were you know, there was just like real mainstream, nothing sophisticated about all this, you know. We had Guy Lombardo records and we had the Dukes of Dixieland play Mozart, and, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, but it was at least for sure an eclectic bunch of stuff, so maybe somehow that fed my willingness to hear new things.
0: And I wonder if uh, the visceral experience of actually getting to go see the AACM guys play, to actually be there, um, ah, if that makes a difference, as opposed absolutely. to like hearing Coltrane on record, for example.
1: That's a really good point. That's absolutely true. Because when you're there, you're part of it. And you can really feel what's going on in a way that you can't possibly feel what's going on listening to speakers.
0: You mentioned uh, the pocket brass band uh, in passing there will you tell folks uh, more about that group
1: yeah, that's um, been running a long time now, and it grew out of uh, originally replacing the bass with a tuba in my in my trio work and um, you know I've been working in trio for a long time, and that we have to talk about bass drumbone too but um, but then having really had a good time with a tuba instead of a bass, then, I, then it occurred to me, well, we had a trumpet, then we've got a tiny brass band, and you know, I'm, I love that music, that brass band music from New Orleans and from Guyana and from Africa, and there's brass band music all over the world, which is based on a, on a tuba bass function. And, um, I'm just crazy about that stuff. So I, I got into this idea of, of seeing what I could do with that form in this very reduced instrumentation. And it's just remained fascinating to me. I just love it. You know, like three brass and drums. It's really elemental. <laughs> and so I've been having a good time with that. I've been doing it since, uh, um, well, the first experiments with this were back in like 93. And the record that we have out was made in 99, so we're way overdue for another record. But I keep working that that band, and, you know, there's been a huge number of different folks in the band, but the uh, the latest one has been um, Lou Soloff on trumpet and Bobby Previtt on drums and Matt Perrine on the sousaphone, and the sousaphone is... Significant in that it is not a tuba. I mean, that is really the instrument for the pocket brass man. And
0: <laughs> and Matt different. is really one so, of the one of the masters of it too. He's just oh a my amazing god, player. that
1: guy's he's such a ridiculous, incredible virtuoso, and he plays with such creativity and and uh, inventiveness. It's just wonderful. And talk yeah. about
0: something to see live. I mean, I, every time I've seen Matt play, it's uh, the, the the sousaphone. You know, a few feet from your face is really uh, really something to
2: experience.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. the sousaphone is something else. So they, so we were on a pretty long tour in Europe this earlier this year, and one of the things we did was. Uh, play a kind of live gig in a studio uh, in Switzerland outside of Zurich, and there's a YouTube clip of a bit of that, and that's where most of this uh, recording will come from, so um, so I'm really happy about it.
2: (laughs) Bye.
0: Ray, what are some of the arranging challenges uh, for the pocket brass band? How do, you, how do you deal with the fact that there's uh, just three brass when you're, when you're replicating something that usually had a lot, or not replicating, but drawing from sources that usually had a lot more to work with?
1: Yeah, that's exactly the challenge of the writing right there in a nutshell, is how, how do you make a small thing sound big? And uh, partly it's, you know, we just work like dogs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No magic there.
1: Yeah, no magic. I mean, I remember in the early days, Lou Lou and I laughing about that, you know, because I'd say, Lou, you know, you finished playing your solo, but now you have to play background. It's my solo, and I need some background. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm done solo. I can chill for a minute. I said, no, Lou. You gotta get your work. <laughs> we used to laugh about that. But um but you do have to really try and pick the notes. That's the fun of it is trying to pick the right pitches and figure out how you're gonna make this, this little band sound bigger, you know? And um yeah, I I enjoy that challenge and of course some part of me always wishes I had one more trombone and you know I mean? like, <laughs> But I'm very, actually very happy with that form and uh, and it works.
0: Now, you mentioned that the Pocket Brass Band evolved out of bass drum bone. Will
1: you uh, talk about that? Yeah, uh, it, didn't, it didn't actually evolve out of bass drum bone. Bass drum bone is a separate chapter unto itself. You know, that group uh, came together in 1977 and it's the exact same group these 33 we're going into 34 years later so it's it's quite something to have that kind of longevity in a group and uh, I'm very very proud of it and very very happy about it you know it's like these these two guys Mark Elias on the bass and Jerry Hemingway on the drums and I just really fit together so well and always have. I mean, we met originally in 1977 up in New Haven, Connecticut, where Mark and Jerry were living at that time. And, uh, right from the beginning, it was so easy to play together. There just was a rapport and a communication that was immediately obvious. And so we've, we've kept that thing up. You know, that's, that's 33 years. That's getting into, you know, that's getting into Emerson Quartet or modern jazz quartet territory. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and there's a new record, I'm happy to say. There will be a, uh, a record called The Other Parade and it's coming out on the Clean Feed label out of Portugal and that will be out in um, middle of May this year. It's all done and we're getting the packaging together and um, so so, this is something very important to me, very dear to my heart, this long uh, association. and it's a perfect cooperative, you know, like everybody writes and everybody plays, and everybody contributes to each other's writing in the true you know interactive way that jazz groups work and um, and that's that's a very special thing.
0: So this is a good year for uh, Ray Anderson fans. We're going to get the uh, we've got already got the Anderson Ehrlich uh, Quartet, the uh, bass bone record, and uh, potentially the the Pocket Brass Band record all coming out.
1: That's right. In the same That's twelve right. month period. Pocket Brass will be uh, that'll come out on the um, on the Intuition label, the same label as uh, Here You Say. And there's even another record. Wow. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to have a little revival. You know, <laughs> I've been a, I've been a little out of the. Out of the scene here So I'm, I'm glad to talk to you Because I am trying to you know, Put this career back in front And, uh, and the other record that's, uh, that's done And I guess I'm probably going to bring it out myself Jason on Raybone Music It seems like that's where it's going But that's also something I've wanted to do for years And finally got done And it's a record of ballads It's completely different than any of these other things and it features steve salerno on the guitar and it's just the two of us and it's all i didn't i only wrote one tune on the record other than that it's all it's all ballads and uh you know really beautiful tunes and it's called love notes and it's you know something you can put on at night
0: now how did that pairing (laughs) come about how, how did you and Steve,
2: uh, you know, Steve hook up?
1: Solano is another person who's really important in my life, and, and um, he's an incredible musician. And I've known him since uh, right around 1988 or 89 when I moved from New York City out to Long Island. And I lived out on Long Island around uh, Stony Brook, uh, where I'm teaching now. You know, I teach at Stony Brook University. You're the director of the jazz studies program there, right? I am, yeah, but the funny thing is that I moved out there in 88, and I didn't start teaching at Stony Brook till 2003, <laughs> so the move didn't have anything to do with the university. It's just that we found a place to live out there, uh, my wife and I, and we had, um, we had a little kid, and we were living in the city, and we couldn't afford anything we wanted to live in. In the city, because this was in the '80s, in the sort of one of the earlier real estate bubbles, you know. <laughs> sure. And uh, and we found this, you know, through friends. uh... You know, we found this beautiful little place to live, and we moved out to to Long Island, and um, and that was a that was a really good move, and uh, it was a much better place to sort of try and kind of raise kids and and. And do that. And Salerno is from out there, and I met him back then, and I've been—we've been playing together a lot ever since. You know, you know, he's on my Bone Meal record, right? Yep, which is which is from back in those days, and that was recorded live at a club out there in Long Island. So I've known Steve a long time, and he's just one of those amazing musicians. There's nothing this guy can't do with a guitar, and that's. Really saying something Because you know The breadth of guitar If you think about Classical guitar And how complicated That is With that instrument And the nylon strings And the long thumbnail And being able to play Three lines simultaneously He could do all that stuff And he could play Any kind of Jazz Or blues Thing you can Imagine You know And so um, He's just one of those Consummate Musicians You know And somebody it's really good to be around people like this <laughs> you know? yeah um, so um, yeah so at a certain point I realized that the, I wanted to do this ballads record for 20 years but at some point I realized ah that's how to do it I'll just do it with Steve
0: and uh, I, maybe you said this and I missed it but when can we uh, expect that record
1: um, sometime this year but I don't know exactly when okay you know, But it's all done, and uh, I have a tiny bit more mixing and mastering to do. So I'm going to stick my neck out here and say you can expect that record in April.
0: Fantastic. You That's heard it here first, months. folks.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That, uh, that should force me to get it together. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs>
2: tap <laughs>
0: keeping in mind that this show is going to uh, be posted on the 31st are there some upcoming performances uh, and people listen to this show all over the world so uh, any place is fair game uh, upcoming shows that you want to mention
1: Oh yeah, sure. I got you know, I've got something to do here. Let's see. There's um it's on the thirty first, so there is um in New York City a gig uh at something called the Issue Project Room with a group that's never um that's never played before. Should be very interesting. It's a brass quartet. It's Marcus Rojas, Frank London, Josh Roseman, and myself. So two trombones, tuba and trumpet. And that's on February 16th. February 16th in the Issue Project Room in New York City.
0: And are you all providing compositions for that? How how does that work? Yep.
1: Yep. We all are. Yep. cooperative thing. And, uh, then I should mention for people on Long Island, there's a couple of interesting things. There's a, there's a panel discussion on February 12th out way out east in, uh, Greenport, Long Island, uh, at Breck Hall in Greenport. And this is part of this, you know, there's all these wineries on Long Island. Right. They have a, they have a jazz festival. And so people play in all the, all the wineries. And uh, it runs for some time, and so on February 12th, I'm part of a panel discussion, but on March 6th, I'll be playing uh, with Solano, the duo, um, at, a, uh, at a winery out there in eastern Long Island. I forget exactly which one at this moment. You have to go to Long Island Winterfest.
0: Okay, great. Or I'm you can the go are. to
1: my website. Eventually, I'll get this all to the website. And let's see, what else is going on? I'm going to Villa South, Switzerland on the 25th and the 26th of February. I'm playing a duo with Jerry Hemingway one day, and then the next day I'm playing with a bunch of Swiss guys in a big carnival band.
0: And that's the same place where Hear You Say was recorded, right?
1: That's that famous little town in Switzerland, yeah, outside uh, about an hour and something from Zurich, it's way out in the country. But if you're in Switzerland, that's some place to go. And let me see, then there's a whole tour. There's a Marty Ehrlich-Ray Anderson tour of Europe from March 10th through March 20th. And we'll be kind of all around. We'll be in various places around Europe. Let's see, do I know where? Yes, somewhere I have this. (laughs) (laughs) I have this information somewhere. not exactly sure where at the moment but I could probably find it if I could get the computer to work here. So, um, but anyway, um, we'll be we'll be touring Europe.
0: And uh, I'll definitely and, put a uh, link uh, to your website in the show notes so folks can go there um, and check out the events calendar.
1: Yeah, because I need to get this all put up on the website. It's just a bunch of, you know, it's a bunch of places. It's Munich, it's Bremen, it's Eindhoven, it's Ljubljana, it's Salzburg. Zurich, Wells, yeah, everybody isn't going to remember this anyway. So, but it's just, in, there's a tour in March. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> you know? And I know yeah.
0: uh, we have listeners in most of those places, because so, uh, folks email from all over the place, so definitely go check out Graham and Marty when they're in town. Well, I, I, as someone who's uh, been listening to you for a, a long time, I, I have to ask the final and most important question, which is, in your place in Long Island, uh, do you have a lawn, and is it mown?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. Good man. No lawn.
0: <laughs> Please do not shatter my youthful illusions by telling me that you have a manicured front lawn.
1: <laughs> and if I ever get a lawn, I'm turning it into a meadow pronto. <laughs> That'll be the first thing we do is stop mowing and plant some wildflowers. <laughs> That's what I like to
0: hear. <laughs> my guest is uh, composer and trombonist Ray Anderson, and uh, and as we've just heard, there is a, a wealth of Ray Anderson music coming out. Uh, one that's out right now that you can pick up is the Ray Anderson Marty Ehrlich Quartet uh, Hear You Say live in Willisaw, and uh, we're also going to have... Uh, uh, pocket brass albums, bass trombone albums, and a, and a duo record uh, now promised to Jazz Lesson listen listeners in April. So, uh, you heard
1: a, it here first. That's exactly right. right.
0: Breaking <laughs> news. It's, uh, it's a fantastic year for fans of Ray Anderson, and that certainly includes me. And Ray, it's been uh, a real pleasure for me to talk to you and uh, to listen to your music over the years, and I thank you very much for taking the time to do it.
1: Okay, Jason. My pleasure. Thank you. man.
0: music from the Ray Anderson-Marty Ehrlich Quartet and their new album, Hear You Say. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at TheJazzSession.com, where you can also become a member and support the show financially for as little as 10 bucks a month or $110 a year. You can also subscribe in iTunes and via an RSS reader, and you'll find the links to do that at thejazzsession.com. My thanks to the Respect Sextet for the theme music to this show. They're online at respectsextet.com. And I believe you can also follow them at uh, twitter.com respectsextet. And the guy who did the show's logo, Dave Vrabel, uh, blo- or I should say uh, tweets very hilariously at twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel. Get out there if you would and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come on back here next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.